You're listening to the podcast of Rain City Church. My name is Kelsey. This is my husband, Nikolai. We're on the team here at Rain City. We're so excited to be here with you guys today. We are wrapping up our unchurched series. We've been going through Acts as an entire church, and it has been really, really cool and really inspiring to see the way that God has moved through this series. We've seen awesome conversations happening in small groups and supper clubs. Many of you have been following along in the reading app, um, which has been really fun to see and go through that with you guys. Like I said, our entire church has been doing this. So from first grade all the way up through youth, and then obviously us here in this room have been going through Acts together. And we have had some really cool feedback and conversations from you parents in the room of cool conversations that have been happening with your kiddos around the dinner table or in the drive home. If you have the app, you can go into your push notifications and make sure that kids is on in your push notifications. And when you leave service, you're going to get a little push notification of things that your kids talked about in church with a suggested discussion question for the ride home or dinner table or bedtime or whatever. So make sure that's on and do that because we've seen some really, really cool stuff come out of that. Um, Like I said, we are really excited to be wrapping it up today and see what the end of Acts has for us. Yes, so today we are going to be covering 27 and 28. Um, They are pretty quick, two-chapter, 75-verse, two-chapters, and we have actually spent the last week memorizing all 75 verses. And so we thought today, instead of reading it or having you read it, we'll just present it to you guys. Are we ready? Cool. It's only going to take us 40 minutes. Settle in. (laughs) We're just kidding. That would be great, though. We didn't memorize any of it. Um, real quick, let me just catch you up on some of the context. So we have um, 27 and 28. These are the last two chapters of Acts. And instead of reading through those two chapters for you today, um, though our voices do sound great, uh, we're not going to. So um, I have a slide for you guys, and it's just going to walk us through really quick the context of 27 and 28. So there we go. So um, Paul has been arrested, and he is going to be heading to Rome to go under trial, okay? So he's being taken to Rome under trial, and um, so he gets on a ship, and what's really cool is when he gets on this ship to make his way um, down kind of the Asian coast, he um, becomes really good friends with Julius, and Julius is a centurion. He's basically his guard, and so they become friends, and what's amazing is as they're making their way down to Rome, or maybe not down, but making their way to Rome, Julius actually allows Paul to see people that knows Paul. So he like, hey, you can, you're, you know, you're in prison, but you can go and, and see your friends. And what's amazing about that is not so much their relationship, though that's cool. The second, I mean, maybe that's not cool. I don't, I don't know. If you're arrested and then they just let you go do what you want, that's pretty cool. Um, you're, everyone's like, I haven't been arrested before. I don't really know. I'll tell you, it's cool. Um, and then, uh, so he... But even more than that, what's really cool is that the gospel has gone ahead of Paul. That these people have heard about Paul before he even arrives on the scene, and they want to meet him and talk to him, and Paul gets to share his stories about what God has done in Acts. So pretty amazing. They then get caught in a 14-day storm. That's brutal. That's like puking for 14 days, all right? Seasickness for a long time. On the 14th day, an angel shows up to Paul and says, hey, I know it's been rough, but it's all going to be okay. They end up shipwrecking, and they land on what we know as Malta. 
And this is a picture uh, that Paul actually took on his Instagram when they arrived. So it hasn't changed much in the couple hundred years. And then um, they end up being on Malta for three months. And what's really cool is while they're on Malta for three months, we see Paul taking every opportunity to spread the gospel. He is literally healing people. He's sharing about Jesus. I mean, he makes the most of a bad situation. Finally, after three months, they board the ship again and they get to Rome. He's finally at Rome and he's awaiting trial. He's renting a house and he's basically on house arrest. Okay, so that's where we are. What I want to do really quick is just kind of read these last couple verses together. And that'll set us up really well to end our time here in Acts together as a church. You can follow along with me. This is Acts 28, 25 through 31. Here's what it says. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding, you'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Exclamation point ending. What an abrupt ending that we see at the end of Acts. We, I mean, we, like, we have a whole book, right, of just so much incredible detail from Luke, the writer, and then the book ends just like that. Yeah, super abrupt, super crazy ending, especially after all of the buildup throughout Acts, and the thing is that we actually see this happen multiple times throughout the Bible. We see an abrupt ending again in the story of the prodigal son. We have a son, he asks for his father's inheritance early, he goes out and quite literally just goes wild, blows his entire inheritance ends up literally in the mug with the pigs, comes crawling back to his father's home expecting to beg for forgiveness. He's welcomed back with open arms, and the father actually celebrates this huge celebration. Um, You know, the best food, the best cloaks, everything for his son who had returned, and the story all wraps up with the son's older brother out in a field just bitterly refusing to come into the celebration. And that's it. We get absolutely no resolution to the rest of the story. We see this again in the Old Testament with the story of Jonah. Jonah was an Old Testament prophet, and he was sent by God, asked by God to go to Nineveh, and he refuses. He jumps off a ship, super dramatic, jumps off a ship to avoid having to go, and he's swallowed up by a fish. If you've ever seen Veggie Tales, maybe you know the story. He is spit out onto dry land. He ends up going to Nineveh. God gets what he wants, you guys. And the whole story, this crazy story, wraps up with him sitting under this little tree, essentially saying, I shall not pity Nineveh, period. Again, that's all that we get after this super crazy story. We have this really abrupt ending. It's not just something that happens throughout the Old Testament. We also see it in the New Testament. In the book of Mark, um, we see a really abrupt ending I have dyslexia, which makes it really difficult for me to read out loud. So Nikolai's going to jump in here for us really quick. 
Here's what it says. And they went out. This is chapter 16, verse 8 of Mark. And they went out and fled from the tomb. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Okay, so that is verse 8 of Mark. And in the original transcripts and the original manuscripts, verse 8 is it. That is all we get. It ends there. After the life of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, we have this very, very abrupt ending. Luke, who wrote this account, um, writes this potentially intentionally. It poses the question, was this type of writing intentional? Were we trying to, are we supposed to be learning something from this type of writing? Erwin Peterson, a pastor and author, writes this quote. The earliest manuscripts, um, here it says, he has just brought a completely new genre of literature into being, a gospel. But instead of wrapping it up as a finished product so we can admire his genius, at the last minute, he steps aside and hands us the pen and says, here, you write a resurrection conclusion with your life. We love this. Um, we, we think that Luke, the author of Acts, was actually intentional in the way that he finished up Acts. And uh, we thought that quote beautifully, beautifully portrayed that. But we've all had abrupt endings, right? We've all had abrupt endings in our life. We've all had a sudden job loss or a sudden relationship fallout or um, a sudden passing of a loved one. We've all experienced this, these, these just quick, these quick shifts in our life where we kind of leave feeling like, what just happened, Right? And the interesting thing is that whenever we experience these abrupt endings, I think we all tend to respond a little differently, right? We all tend to respond differently to abrupt endings in our life. And if we look at the story of Paul, which is amazing, is his life, if we're honest, is full of abrupt endings, right? I mean, he goes from, like, preaching the gospel to being arrested to his life being threatened to being on a shipwreck to being bit by a snake and almost dying to then being in Rome. I mean, his whole life is, like, just abrupt ending after abrupt ending after abrupt ending. And today, we want to look at how we can be more like Paul when it comes to abrupt ending in our lives because we have a choice today. Our first choice when it comes to abrupt endings is that we can either live in fear or we can live in faith. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 4, 12 through 13. I know what it is to be in need. And this is Paul. He's writing to um, the early church in Philippi. So he's, um, he's arrested. He's in prison. And so um, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so often I think we love this verse, right? Like, we can do it all. We can, we can go. We can do it. Like for football, it's just like, we can tackle them harder because we have God. But what this, <laughs> thank you. But what it really means is no matter the circumstance, there is strength to be found in the Lord. So Nikolai and I, for those of you who don't know, are in the process of welcoming our third child to our family through adoption. And if you have never adopted or you've never been close to someone who's gone through the process, it is a lot of work. There is a lot of paperwork. There are a lot of roadblocks. Um, it is very expensive. Domestic and international adoption have a lot of um, fees with high numbers, lots of zeros. And 
We early Lots in our of zeros. <laughs> yes, we jumped into the process admittedly before we had anywhere close to what adoption costs in our savings account because we really, really believed that God was calling us to move when we did, and we still believe that. And we are huge, huge believers that you should never let finances stop you from doing something that you really believe that God is calling you to. If it is His will, He will absolutely find a way. He's so much bigger than finances. And early in our process, we had some really exciting things happen that sped the start of our process along really, really quickly, which is great and really exciting. The problem is that when your process speeds along, your financial deadlines also speed along. So one of our first deadlines, we had just under a week to come up and send to our agency a check that we didn't have anywhere close to. It was much more than we had. And Adoption deadlines are not flexible. This isn't something that you just reach out, hey, can we have a little more time? Can we have another week? No, it's like, this is your day and your time, have it here or else. I don't know, or else. So I immediately started to panic when we were on the phone. I just went straight to thinking, well, that's it. This is way too much money in the amount of time that we have. It's impossible. And maybe we can try again in a few years. And the thing that we have to remember, the amazing thing is that God is so, so faithful, even when we are fearful. And thanks to the generosity of a couple of families here in this church, in less than six hours, we had enough money to send a check to our agency, which is incredible. God moved in incredible ways through an amazing community. And my faith in that moment was radically changed. And I actually have lived the rest of my life being perfectly faithful. I've never feared again. I've never doubted again. It's true. Yeah, it's amazing. No, you guys, the (laughs) minute another abrupt ending or what felt like an abrupt ending came along, I forgot. I went right back to fearing. And maybe you've been in this place before. Maybe you've, you know, begged God for a place of your own. And then you're asking for a bigger place or a better location. We've begged, we've pleaded, we've prayed for a job, a new job, and then we're immediately asking for a promotion, right? Maybe we've asked and we've begged, we've pleaded for a baby. It's a really intimate thing. And as soon as that's been granted, we're asking, we're begging for siblings. There's nothing wrong with that. We should always be asking God. He wants, he knows the desires of our hearts. He wants to feel those things. But we have to remember how faithful he is. And we just struggle with that. What makes us forget? It's a human condition. It is so easy for us to forget. And I see God work in my life. And then immediately, the minute I need faith again, it just goes out the window. One thing that's been so helpful to me for this is prayer. Just to fight fear with prayer. And not just for myself, but going to other people and asking them to pray for me and praying in a community is so, so powerful. Like I said, in our adoption process, that's the first thing that we did. We reached out to a lot of friends and we said, this is happening. We need help. We need you guys to pray. We need you to rally. And people will say, you might, you see it in fundraising all the time. Oh, you know, money is great, but the most helpful thing you can do is pray. We actually mean it. It really is the most powerful thing. And right now, I actually want to give us an opportunity to do that together. If you have the app, you can go ahead and take your phone out and submit a prayer request right now. I want you to ask yourself, where in your life is fear being given too much power? 
We have power over fear in prayer. Allow us to fight that with you. Allow us to fight fear with you as a community by praying for and with you. We all have abrupt endings. We will all go through this. Maybe you're going through it right now. We all need this. Totally, totally agree. Um, So when it comes to abrupt endings, do we get stuck or do we move to action? So when we look at the life of Paul, right, when we look in Acts, um, how does Paul respond? I, I want to jump back just quickly to Acts 28, um, verse 7, and this is right when he's kind of washed up on Malta. Here's what it says. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He's the chief official because of that name. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. I love this. I love that Paul ends up on an island after a shipwreck and he doesn't just go, woe is me, God, like I keep trying to do your ministry and you keep bashing me over the head. Like, that's what we do, right? We're just like, okay, God, I get it. I won't do the thing that I feel like you've asked me to do, but the circumstances would tell me I shouldn't do it anymore. Like that could totally be Paul. Like he washes up on an island, he gets bit by a snake, and instead we see him going out and doing ministry where he's been shipwrecked. And I love that. I love how he responds to an abrupt ending. What's interesting that I want to pick out also in Paul's life this morning is that if we look at Paul's life, who is he constantly up against? Who is he constantly being hurt by in his story? Anybody. This is interesting. He is constantly up against and being hurt by the church. And I think that's really interesting because what's great is that never happens anymore. Church fallout is not a thing. JK. It totally is a thing. I mean, we, we live in a, in a place, right, where we are very, I mean, I have so many friends that are very affected by church fallout. I mean, it is, it is um, written deep, and, and there's a great depth of it, even in our area, right? Even in Seattle and in Bellevue and Kirkland, there's so much church fallout. And it's like that across the nation. And this is not like a church sucks thing. It's uh, people are difficult. Church does not suck. Come on. But what I love about Paul is that even when he is up against so much hate from the church, he never stops loving them. He never stops seeing them the way God sees them. And he never just goes, all right, you just do your own thing. I'm going to do my thing. He continually is pursuit of them and their hearts. Maybe today, that's you. You've experienced church fallout recently. And I want to tell you, if that's you today, if you've recently experienced church fallout, we are so glad you are here. You are brave to show up to church. I know personally how difficult it is to show up at a church after you've experienced pain. And we are so glad that you are here. And we would just encourage you to keep showing up, to keep allowing people to be a part of your journey. And then for those of us this morning that maybe have experienced church um, fallout in the past, here's what I would challenge you with today. It's been enough time it's time to get involved again. Because just like myself, I was burned by the church. If anyone knows my story, I was um, 
assaulted and raped by my youth pastor when I was in high school. My family was then kicked out of the church for going to the police about it because it would ruin church growth in our, in our little town. And believe me, it was so challenging to get back into church, but I couldn't say no to it. God kept bringing me back. And even the staff up here knows when I first came on staff here three years ago, almost four years this summer, it took me a while. It was difficult. It was hard to keep showing up. It was hard to trust again. But God brought something so beautiful and full of life out of something that was dead. And that's what he does, right? If you look at the cross, that's what he does. Out of a dead thing, he makes something beautiful and alive again. And so I would encourage you today, if you got burned by a church in the past, would you stop holding on to it? When you allow God to make something beautiful where there was so much pain? Because we feel like the best way you can do that is getting involved again. And so we have an opportunity for you to do that today. We truly believe at Rain City, um, this is not just like a pastor push. This is like the truth is that you experience the most um, life and healing and community and depth of Jesus when we are serving together. There's something beautiful that happens when we serve together. And we have a lot of opportunities right now for you to serve. Um, our kids' ministries and youth ministries are literally exploding and they need people. Um, and so there's a great opportunity for you to get involved and serve there. We also uh, need more people on our options teams. And then if you have a face, you can be a greeter. So that's awesome. We'd love for you to join that team as well. But would you, would you take that big step? And it is a big step. I know it's a big step. Would you take the big step today about no longer just sitting on the sidelines? Would you get back in the game today? Would you get back in it with us? Yeah, that's great. Our third choice that we have when it comes to abrupt endings is that we can go back to the old or we can search, we can search and we can fight for something new. We see this happen throughout the Bible um, in a really dramatic way, actually. In the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt, we have the Israelites and they're leaving Pharaoh. And God performs all of these really, really crazy miracles to fight for the Israelites. He protects them from plague. He literally splits the Red Sea so that they can cross safely. And what do we see happen? Anyone who knows the story, what do we see happen? They immediately start complaining. They want to go back to Egypt, which is crazy because in Egypt, they were held as slaves. And God has promised them freedom. But when it got uncomfortable... When it got new and different, they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to something that was familiar because it just seemed so much easier. God has promised them freedom, and they went for it. They had the courage. They fought for it. They go for it. But when it became unfamiliar, they would rather live a life of slavery. This can seem insane when we listen to the story. What were they thinking? But if we're being honest, we do this too. We leave something that we know isn't good for us. We move forward, and sometimes it takes a lot of courage. But then we find ourselves going back or wishing that we could go back. I actually found myself in a very similar place to this when I was in high school, throughout most of my high school career. When I was 14, my parents went through a really, really nasty divorce, and I ended up living with my biological dad, who after the divorce became very emotionally and mentally abusive. And I had the opportunity to live with my mom and my stepdad, who's amazing. He's who I call my dad now. It's who my boys call grandpa. 
But something new seemed so much harder. It seemed too hard. So four years later, I'm still living with my biological dad in this really bad situation. And towards the end of my senior year of high school, my then stepmom takes off. She takes everything. She throws it in a car, takes off. She takes my infant, a few month old infant half brother with her and leaves a note on the bathroom counter and that's it. And in retrospect, I applaud her. I'm sure that took a lot of courage. Um, but it sent my dad into this state that had been worse than ever before. Long story short, I end up staying with a friend and she was incredible, has this incredible family, the kind of family any of us would want to be a part of. And it was too hard. I would sneak in to my dad's house through a basement window and go back to my bedroom. A few days later, I ended up moving back into his house. By the grace of God, finally, a few months later, I did it. I moved out. I moved in with my mom. It was a four-hour move, which when you're a senior in high school is really big. I had to drop my whole life, what seemed like would be my whole life and was at the time, and it was really, really scary, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't like, oh, I'm out now. Everything was perfect and fine. It was really hard, and I constantly found myself wanting to go back, wanting to go back to my old life, to what was easy, what seemed easy, what seemed familiar. And we have to be aware of how easy it is to miss what God is doing when we stay in the old if you're anything like me, my biggest fear is that I would go back to something old and God had already moved on. God is moving in our futures. He is moving in your future, in your family's future, your community's future, your church's future. And if you do not move with him, you're going to miss it. He has moved on. We cannot go back to our past. So there's a guy uh, named Peter, and Peter is a disciple of Jesus, and he was a leader of the, of the early church. And um, when abrupt endings happen in Peter's life, he responds very differently than Paul. I like Peter. Um, when Jesus died on the cross, did Peter live in fear or did he live in faith? And we see that he initially, he lived in fear that after Jesus had died on the cross, a little girl comes up to, to Peter and goes, hey, didn't you know that Jesus guy? And he goes, what are you talking about? I don't know that guy. I don't know him. Did he, did he initially get stuck or did he move to action? And, and we know from Peter's story that he actually went and he hid. Did he, get, did he go back to the old or did he do something new? And we know that he went back to being a fisherman that after he lived this amazing life with Jesus and saw so many amazing miracles happen, that after Jesus died, that he went back and was a fisherman again. So what changed? What changed for Peter's story? Like, how do we see this guy that responded in all the wrong ways, in all the ways I probably would have responded, to a leader of the church, someone who his impact has lasted years and years to what we get to experience today? Did he change something within himself? Did he read enough self-help books in Amazon? Probably. Amazon totally existed. Amazon, Instagram, you know. Those disciples were hip. I would venture to say that it was all because of what Jesus did that changed Peter's life. 
that when Jesus came back and he rose and he found Peter and he said, Peter, will you believe in me? It was almost as if he was handing the baton to Peter and saying, Peter, will you take this? My time is done, but your time is just beginning. And though it's abrupt and different than what you would have expected, would you take the baton and go to the ends of the earth for my gospel? Would you love people the way I have loved people? And today, what's amazing is Jesus is asking us the same question. He is handing the baton to us with that intentional, abrupt ending of Acts. And he is saying, will you take the baton? Will you go out and be the church in the everyday life? Will you go out and make a difference for my name, for my sake? Will you love people like I loved? Would you be a part of the life change that I desperately wanted and that's why I died on the cross? His death on the cross changed everything. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to remember that. We're going to take communion as a church community and church family. There will be a couple stations in the back where people will have um, crackers and juice, and they will serve you. And the blood represents his blood that was shed, um, and, and the bread will represent his, um, his body that was broken on the cross. And everybody is welcome at the table this morning. We'd glad, be gladly that you would um, take in communion with us this morning. And we just remember that all of this today, that him handing the baton to us, all of it is possible because of his death on a cross. His death on a cross reminds us, communion reminds us that abrupt endings in our life are just a comma and not a period. That God is still telling his story and he is still telling it through us that the movement of the church is not just fun to read about in Acts, but it's happening here. And it's happening today through each and every one of us. Will you respond? Will you allow God to make us people of faith and of action and of doing something new? Will you grab the baton today? And would you follow in the footsteps of Peter and Paul with us? Let's pray together. God, we remember your cross today. We remember your sacrifice, God. The amazing love that you showed that day when you died for us. God, that you knew there was no other way that you had to bring us back, that sin had separated us from you, but that a death on a cross would cross the great divide for all of us, that we would know you and that you would know us and that we would be with our creator who loved us and loves us and see us God, we just pause and we reflect and we are just thankful for the cross today. Because for many of us, we have responded to abrupt endings with fear and with being stuck and with just going back to the old. But because of your cross and because of your goodness and because of your strength and your love that flows through us, God, we can respond in a new way, full of faith and boldness. God, we thank you for your word that reminds us that we are just like your disciples. And just like your disciples, we have great things ahead of us. And the church has great things ahead of us. I pray that more people today would grab the baton and that we would see amazing life change happen 
through your church and through your gospel throughout 2019 and 2020 and the years to come. We love you so much. And it's in your beautiful name we pray all of this. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information and resources, go to raincitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.